Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and as always, I'm excited for this week's guest. I had the opportunity to sit down with Warren Bird. Warren serves as Director of Research and Intellectual Capital at Leadership Network. Many of you are probably familiar with Leadership Network. It's a, a great resource. It's a nonprofit that helps innovative Christian leaders increase their impact. I encourage you guys to check out Leadership Network. As an ordained minister, Warren has not only had firsthand experience as a church planter and as a pastor, but he's also had the unique opportunity over the years to research, write, and teach about many of the most spiritually passionate, innovative, and growing churches across the country. And so Warren has a ton of experience, a ton of knowledge, and he's authored over two dozen books. Through his ministry, he has impacted thousands of churches, encouraging them to prayerfully seek where God is leading them and strategically move in step with the Spirit as they reach their communities with the love and truth of Jesus. On this week's episode, it's really packed with practical advice from Warren's years of ministry, including what he and Carl George have experienced and taught about addressing some of those obstacles which prevent churches from breaking through growth barriers. Their latest book is an updated and revised edition of their best-selling book entitled How to Break Growth Barriers, and it is built upon the biblical perspective of a harvest vision. So be ready to jot down some notes as we dive into this very practical and very encouraging discussion with Warren Bird. Warren, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. I am a regular listener and honored to be uh, join the esteemed group of podcasts that you've created already. Well, thank you, sir. We're, we're, we're certainly excited. And I'm personally excited to have the opportunity to speak with you because really your ministry over the years has focused upon how pastors and ministry leaders can develop, how they can best serve God and his church as they sort of grow into their calling. And one of, one of the things that I've personally appreciated about your research, your writing, your teaching, is that you really champion this reality that God is always stretching us as church leaders, right? That God always has a next step for us. And because of that truth, then we don't just kind of sit around and hope for something to happen, but we can prayerfully and strategically look at our context, a look at our ministries, and see where God is leading us and see how we can help lead our people. And I've always appreciated that about your ministry, um, your writings, and things you've done. So uh, as we kind of kick this off, can you talk to us just a little bit about where prayer, where strategy where these different elements play into the role of a pastor. Well, you are so right, Jason, that it, God is always stretching us. And if there's any spiritually underlying message of the book, it's that uh, it just might be that your, whoever you is, vision of God's harvest and what God wants to do through you and through the church that you serve is smaller, far smaller than the impact that he would like to entrust you with, that, that the souls that he would like you to care for. So, so if there is any prayer in the book, it's, it's Lord, is it like grass? And, and I'm stepping on something and keeping it from growing. Something you want to do 
there are people who need Jesus. And could it be that, that our church has underestimated the influence for populating heaven that you might want us to have? And, and that becomes a stretching, which then leads to mechanical things like, uh, okay, so how do you break the, the 50 barrier, the 100 barrier, 200 or whatever? You know, that's excellent. Now, Warren, I, I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of pastors, different contexts, like you do as you travel around the country. And, and, and one of the things that um, I've noticed and in conversations really over, over the last decade or so is that there's some pastors who push back on this idea of church growth. They're, they're almost fearful of it and thinking that somehow that becomes somewhat manipulative and that, you know, they just struggle with that. Can you speak into that just a little bit, your understanding of church growth, um, biblical foundations on that, and just kind of help us process through that? You are absolutely right in the concerns that people have and are voicing. And, and, and any church growth that's manipulative is not God's way. Any church growth that is uh, to meet one's ego as a leader is not the motive uh, that God calls for us. Um, but while Jesus does talk about growing his church and gives parables of, of what the kingdom of, of God is like, uh, growing as a, as a plant and as different things, um, and that the body of Christ is going to grow, there's, there's lots of growth terminology in the Bible. It is not just bodies. It is not just offering of, of finances it is it is as many have said it is a church health it is a it is a soul care uh, but but there's no need to be afraid to say hmm you know if indeed God is preparing a harvest remember there's if there's any one place in scripture where Jesus used the word more it's when, when he looked out on the fields and, and said, wow, the fields are ripe for harvest, but here's what to do. Pray for more laborers to go into that harvest. So if we do take Jesus' perspective from the many commands across the, the, the gospel that God is preparing a harvest, that God somehow has chosen to use us to influence and, re, and reap that harvest, and make disciples of those who respond, then for many there will be a growth issue. And growth is not something to be scared of and suspect of in and of itself. That, that's good. Thank you, Warren. Now, as we look at um, your book, How to Break Growth Barriers, and um, you and Carl George uh, co-authored this book, and this is the revised editions just being released, correct? Correct. And yes, and, and it started... Uh, way back when, when Carl George was doing How to Break the 200 Barrier Seminars, and that's 80% of churches in America are in attendance, uh, less than 200. And then for those that had broken that, he did How to Break the 400, How to Break the 800. And, and I said, Carl, you know, you have such a response to that. What if I turn that into a book for you? So I took the best of his different uh, lectures, presentations, examples, turned it into uh, the book. And then the publisher came to us 20 years later and says, you know, this thing is still selling briskly. You would need to update it as in, you know, bus ministry is, is not today what it was. 
social media has kicked in, multi-site has kicked in, you know, talk about today's era. Right. But but represent the idea of how do I get to the next level in my church? Are there changes that need to happen in me? Are there changes that need to happen in our systems? Are there changes that needs to happen in the congregation? And so forth. And so we revised every sentence of every paragraph of every chapter. And it's a it's a fresh version for today, but the same core idea that it that what if God wants to have a greater harvest and what if what's in your head is the greatest limiter of that harvest? Yeah, I've had the opportunity to dig through this book and absolutely um, powerful and practical. And so we're so appreciative um, for you and Carl to be updating this, making this this fresh and building on those foundations. I want to kind of speak to, you mentioned that uh, 80% of the churches um, are below 200 here here in North America. And I'm curious, can we, um, let's just address those pastors right now. I'm sure we have many, many listening. If you were to say, pastor, I want to give you some encouragement that, um, you know, there is opportunity for you to reach more people through the ministry of your church and engage more of your people in that ministry where would you start? A pastor listening right now who says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm being faithful uh, week in, week out, but where do I start to kind of go to the next level, to break that 200 barrier, let's say? Let's focus on that. Where does it begin? That's a great question. And first, I want to affirm every pastor's faithfulness, godliness, passion for scripture, for prayer, for the kinds of things that God is about. I want to ask you a question, though. Do you see yourself as the primary caregiver or as the maker of other caregivers? Uh, Now, I could say a little more theologically. Do you see yourself as the minister or the maker of ministers? Mm -hmm. Is your job, now I'm going to bias it, Ephesians 4, which says the job of the pastor teacher is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Pastor and leader, in all your doing of modeling, could it be that you excel in modeling far more than you excel in truly handing the baton to someone else and say, as Jesus did with his disciples, well, you feed them, you know, you you heal them, you, you do this. And, and them coming back and say, I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, let's, let's train you in how to do it. Let's, let's show you how it's done. Let's put it back in your hands. That most times pastors will say, yeah, I, I, I don't need to be the primary caregiver, but by default, I've ended up that way. But the first question to ask is, are you sure you really mean that? Are you really, really willing to give ministry away to the point that, that others are, are experiencing the care, that they get to lead people to Christ, that they get to do the, the, the shepherding. Are you really wanting that? And if so, then the next step is to say, all right, let's figure out how to really pass that baton and not just regret that somehow the connect is not being made. That's good. I, I, now I'm thinking as a pastor, what if your congregation makes it clear that they want you to be that primary caregiver? Okay. How, okay, how do you address that? 
Okay, that's a really good question, and it's a, a widespread issue. So first, let's think, how did the congregation think that way? I mean, I mean do you believe that's in the Bible? And, and if it's not in the Bible, then the job of preaching every week is to say, here's where the people are, here's where they need to be. Now I'm going to preach them to get to where they need to be. So, so are you really extolling? I already used Ephesians 4, 11, or 12. Let me just use a few others. 2 Timothy 2, 2, train others. Who train others? Who train others? Who train others? Uh, the model of Jesus in Luke chapter 8 he trains the 12 and others in Luke chapter 9 begins with him training the 70 and Luke chapter 10 begins with him sending them out and saying, pray for more workers. Uh, are you really teaching uh, 59 times? The Bible says one another, love one another, encourage one another. That's all ministry for the people of God, not just the pastor of God. So, so are you really teaching that that's what it's to be? Are you secondly telling stories if every let's say you preached all 52 weeks in a year if every week you had a hero making story of one of your lay leaders not you went to the hospital and and prayed for this person but susie or josie went to the hospital and they prayed for this person are you making heroes of lay caregivers such that by the end of the year people get it that it's not the job for the pastor to do it. Just this past Sunday, I'm, I'm on the road, I was visiting in a different church. One of the illustrations was, oh, my mother was in the hospital and we felt so cared for when the pastor called. Now, never mind that six other uh, people in their small group called, but what message was allowed to be communicated by a story like that? Um, it reinforced a wrong, unhealthy, and I would say unbiblical stereotype. Mm, that's good. So really through the preaching and teaching as a way to start helping your congregation come to a fuller understanding, a biblical understanding, of, as you've said, um, of the role of the pastor, and that is to equip the people to do the ministry. So, and not just mm -hmm. the teaching, but the examples that are given and the models and the you-can-do-it words. Excellent, excellent. So you, you want to champion those stories of, of people in ministry, share those with your people, so that oftentimes we say, you know, what we celebrate defines who we are. So the more we celebrate those stories of people in those caregiving roles, um, the more that people understand, hey, that's natural. That should be natural for us as a church. Yeah. Now, Jason, just by the way, the, the book itself, How to Break Growth Barriers by Carl George Warren Bird, I'm not just saying unique stuff for this podcast. I'm really picking up on stuff that's in the book and everything I've said, if it's of value and interest, there's probably a whole section, if not a whole chapter that develops further what I've been saying. Excellent. No, we, we appreciate that. And, and the book does get very, very practical, very specific, very nuts and bolts on a lot of these things, which which we certainly appreciate as ministry leaders. So as we're looking at this idea of pushing past that 200 barrier, so the, the biggest issue seems to be that that role of, of pastor moving from primary caregiver to a minister who is, like you said, making ministers. Now, so really this idea of kind of leadership development is what is is needed. And, and yet that is something that as we look at churches across the board, um, leadership development tends to be something that they don't focus on 
very much, especially when they're a smaller church, yet that's important if they're ever going to get through that barrier. Can you talk a little bit about how that leadership development might look practically in a, in a church setting, a church under 200? Well, the, the first church I led uh, happened to be a church plant, and we had five Bible studies going at one time, and I was leading one, and I was so excited because four others were led by other people. But, but later I realized that they weren't really leading those Bible studies. They were helping me. That's how they viewed it in their mind. Somehow that's how I had communicated to, to them. They were doing it because I couldn't. I was doing something. And, and, I, and I think so often in church that we have people in different leadership roles, but somehow we've communicated that, that they are helping us instead of that they are the frontline ministers and we the pastors are helping them. Kind of Home Depot had an expression a while back, you can do it and we can help. We Home Depot can help. And, and that's a great parallel for what I think scripture teaches in the church. Do we as pastors really help people with their ministry? Do, do we say to them, what's your dream for this ministry? How do you want to further impact people? What can I do as your pastor to resource you to do that? How are you developing another leader through this ministry? Can I challenge you that in the year to come, every ministry in this church would develop one other leader, whether they stay with this ministry or they've just been trained better for another ministry that God will call them to. Are we developing more leaders than we think we need uh, and releasing them truly to lead, uh, so often they end up, as in my story, with them helping out the pastor, filling the spot, uh, but not seeing a grander vision. Wow, that, that comment alone that you made about this idea of, of that, that uh, shift in vision from helping out the pastor to really the pastor helping them, that they're on the front line of ministry— that's so vital. And I think as, as we're kind of digging into that a little bit further, if we could, what are some specific ways that the pastor can help shift that paradigm to help people think that they're not, you know, helping filling a gap in the ministry of the church and helping support what the pastor's trying to do, but that the pastor is in turn really championing them as the, the, you know, the leaders in ministry and coming around them to support them. Great question, Jason, and listeners will notice that even though the book is called How to Break Growth Barriers, we haven't really talked about it, and, and that's, that's because the exact questions that you're asking, really what's going on in the leader's head, and in some ways heart, are so fundamental because otherwise it just becomes a mechanical, you know, here's a structure to use that falls apart. But the, the structural implication is this, most churches cap out somewhere between 50 and 200 because they are what's called a single cell in the sense that most people in the church find their identity in the whole and not in a group within the whole. And we can only know so many people. We can only you know, recognize and, and uh, be on first name basis with so many people. And so that becomes our comfort zone. The shift that has to happen is that people find their identity in a group within the whole, 
And if so, then they don't care how big the hole becomes. In fact, the more the merrier. Example, uh, a, a big college football game. Well, if I go all alone, I'm miserable. If, if I think that you know, I can know all 50,000 people in the stands, I'm crazy. But if I go with a handful of friends and we ride together, maybe we tailgate, you know, we high five each other during the, 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 the play, we talk, we debrief afterwards, I'm fulfilled because I have my group of, of friends and all the electricity around us just helps us have all the better time. So likewise, can people shift their sense of identity that, hey, the people I know best are in my whatever, small group, uh, uh, outreach ministry, uh, whatever we're doing. And then I don't feel that I have to need to know everyone. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be capable, trained leadership and replicating leadership at that for all these groups, which then circles back to our leadership uh, development discussion from earlier. Yeah, that's great. Now, if we were to... Um, sit down with um, the average pastor, and he has this passion um, to reach more people in his community. You know, God has put him in that place. He's got a heart for his people. He's doing these things that, that we've already talked about, you've already shared, um, that you and, and Carl ha have shared in the book, How to Break Growth Barriers. You know, he's beginning to try to change the culture, help people to understand that um, he is the pastor, is releasing ministry to people, that they're doing this leadership development, that they're, they're you know, beginning to grow up some leaders who can serve and who can care. What is the next obstacle that churches typically would face? That you only develop one layer deep. And 2 Timothy 2.2 says, you know, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, commit to reliable people who will be qualified to train others also. There's four generations in there, as I alluded to earlier on this podcast. And, and now I'm going to say something real bluntly. Mm -hmm. If I am discipling someone, the true test of whether I'm really discipling someone is if they begin discipling someone else. And likewise, if I am developing on a, a leader, I'm, let's say I'm the pastor and I'm, I'm developing leaders for ministry, the true test of how I'm doing is whether they are in turn apprenticing, shadowing, whatever word you want to use, developing another leader. That's where the real discipleship occurs. Jesus spent 75% of his ministry focused on developing the 12 and helping them then develop the next generation, not the crowds. It's so easy for pastors and all of us actually to, to speak to the crowd and not develop those who develop others. That's excellent. That's powerful. So um, how to break growth barriers. We, we're talking about um, breaking through that 200 barrier Obviously, importance, um, understanding that we're building up ministers, we're developing leaders. Now we've talked about developing this, you know, second level, maybe in third level of leadership development. It's fascinating that you brought that up because I was just having lunch um, the other week with a pastor of a, a very, very large mega church, multi-site church. And uh, he'd mentioned to me that one of the things that they learned whenever they uh, created their first site was that they thought they were doing leadership development pretty well all along. But as soon as they launched that first site, they realized 
wait, we weren't going to that next level. You know, I mean, we had developed some leaders, but then we send them out to the site and suddenly we've got a, a leadership issue. So this idea of, of developing leaders deeply, as you've mentioned, is very, very important. When you're a smaller church, though, how can you practically begin deepening those levels of leadership development without that somehow seeming like it's overtaking everything you're doing as a church? So one way Jesus developed leaders, Mark chapter 3, he appointed 12 to be with him. And the verse continues, he gave them authority to do different things. So if, if, if this principle of you hang with me and, and then I release you to do it, if most pastors jot down the big buckets of what they do during the week and you say, okay, so in doing that, did you have to do that alone? And did you have to do it? Does only an ordained pastor or equivalent have to do such and such? And for the vast majority of a pastor's duties, as I've done this exercise with many, many pastors, They've said, no, 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 you know, that, you know, I didn't have to do alone. It was just more convenient. It was faster. It was easier. You know, that one I didn't have to do alone either. You know, I, I could have involved someone else and so forth. And no, that one I could have, the lay leaders could have done that. No, that one a lay leader. So the, the with them principle comes simply, you know, what if you pledge, I will no longer go to the hospital alone. I will always bring someone with me. Yes, it takes more time. Yes, it's not quite as easy. But in the long run, if everything you do involves leadership development, you are, back to your question, Jason, you are still doing the priorities of your church. You're just developing a leader at every level and every step along the way. That's excellent. That's, and I think that provides a lot of hope for especially smaller church pastors who feel like they're wearing you know, a million hats as it is. How can we squeeze in one more thing and prioritize that, make it a priority? But as you said, Jesus' model was ministering alongside. So the more that we can invite people to, into that ministry, to experience that ministry, we're modeling it and we're beginning to develop that. We're, we're getting them that, that experience, that practical experience, instead of just talking to someone about ministry, they're actually living it out. So that's powerful. I, I was curious, in your book, How to Break Growth Barriers, you talk about different leadership styles and, and how that plays into whether or not a church is able to really push through these 200, 400, 800 growth barriers. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what those leadership styles look like and how those um, kind of have to adapt as a church um, is kind of making their way through these different growth barriers? Pastor, the word means shepherd. And in what I'm about to say, don't hear that any of your shepherding role is being lessened. It is being multiplied. It is being shared with others. It is being replicated and, and uh, duplicated and reproduced through others. So again, back to the question we opened the podcast, are you the chief shepherd, the only shepherd, or are you the maker of other shepherds who now moves to the role of shepherd coach for other shepherds? So if you are, then you become not only a shepherd, but a shepherd that is coaching other shepherds. Now, 
another way to use it was by an observer who said, well, I've seen actually sheep farms and, and the larger sheep farms have a bunch of shepherds and you kind of have a rancher who's over those shepherds. Well, that's a nice word picture, but some have heard, oh, rancher means I can't be a shepherd in heart anymore. And that's not the case. May you always, because there's so many Bible verses about we model what we want others to do. And I think so many pastors today are so good at being authentic, they just assume others will pick up on it and there's not the intentionality to say, you can do it. God has put these gifts in you. I see in you a heart of care. So let me, I'll give you a case in point. Uh, someone comes to the pastor, let's say, let's name her Maria. She comes to the pastor and says, oh, pastor, you know, I was down the hospital visiting so-and-so, and I noticed so-and-so else in the hospital, and so I, I went across the hall, and and she seemed very distraught, and, and so I I, um, I happened to have my pocket Bible in, in my purse, and I, I, I opened Matthew, I, I mean, the Psalm 23, and I read it to her, and, and I, I hope that was okay. Now, now, the pastor has a bunch of choices. One is to say, how could you do that? I don't think any of us would do that. Others would be to, the pastor might be so self-conscious. Oh, I should have been there. I should have done it. And, and okay, what if instead you made a hero of Maria and said, oh, wow, Maria, that is so awesome. God really prompted you. You have a gift, I wonder, in shepherding. And, and can I help? You refine that gift by helping you add a prayer the next time you go. You know, do you know how you could pray in a hospital setting and give some coaching tips and the like? That would be empowering another minister rather than pulling the focus back on me and, and what I wish I had been more available to do. Right. That, I love that idea of kind of empowering and almost that permission giving leadership that's, you know, encouraging and championing that, that uh, behavior as people are living out their call, you know, of, of God on their own lives, you know, as, as individual Christ followers. Um, that's good. So I, I want to give you kind of a, a toughie. We're kind of wrapping down the podcast, but, but this is a, a question that, that uh, I was thinking through as I was preparing for this. What would you say to a pastor who has um, is coming into a new ministry assignment, and he's coming into a church that um, has been has seen decline over the years, and it's a church that is kind of inward focused, you know, kind of wrestling through uh, a lot of those things that a lot of churches that are um, uh, kind of plateaued and declining are, are dealing with these days. What would you say to to that pastor as he's excited? God's brought him to that church. Um, but he knows there's there's a lot that he's going to have to wade through. What would you say to that pastor in terms of how to step into that role and begin leading that church so that they can break that that next growth barrier, so they can turn around that decline and begin looking to break through some growth barriers? There are always a lot of things going on with, with decline. So let me just focus on this, I'm the new pastor piece. And... So often, in between pastors, lay leaders really rise to the challenge. Well, we don't have a pastor here, so I guess I should do the hospital visitation. Well, we don't have a pastor here, so I guess I should uh, handle this part of the caregiving or administration. And then when new pastor comes, all these lay leaders go, 
ah, I'm going to put this now on the pastor's desk (laughs) and off my plate. And I would challenge the new pastor to, on each of those, to become the cheerleader and say, oh, you did such a good job. Now, if this wasn't manageable, you know, if you get, if you're wanting to hand it back because it wasn't a good fit for your gifts or it was, it was too much of a load, uh, I want to know that. But, but is there a piece of what you were doing that you woke up in the morning excited to do? It is my privilege to do ministry. Um, I got to see frontline lives being changed and, and God at work. If there was a piece of that in the ministries you carried, I want to help you take that back on, not give it to me. And I want to help you thrive and grow in it and maybe even build a team around it or apprentice someone in it. But, but I, in other words, the new pastor is not letting everything get put back, uh, removed from the lay leadership. That's good. That's, that's gold right there because uh, I know so many pastors going through transition as an opportunity from the very first month in a new new church, new ministry assignment to really begin building that leadership development. Because like you said, oftentimes in that gap, people are stepping up and serving. And um, rather than coming in as the pastor and feeling like, oh, I've got to you know fill all those responsibilities, you're saying right then is that perfect opportunity to begin changing that culture and to begin championing people into roles in ministry that they've been serving during that gap. Right. You said it better than I did. Yes. That is awesome. I love it, Warren. That's so good. Brother, um, can you tell us how, if, if people want to learn more um, about how to break growth barriers, uh, the book that you and Carl George have, have uh, written and updated and revised with all kinds of great and great things. And, and before, before you tell us, I just want to say one thing that I don't want to forget is one of the things I absolutely loved about this book were all of the little self-evaluation moments throughout I think it's one of the most practical things you could have done because so much information in this book, practical um, guidance, but you have all of these throughout every chapter, these little self-evaluation uh, moments, uh, questions, and, and you know, you, you put out these little scenarios and say, okay, now how, how would you respond to this um, scenario? And, you know, where are you in this? And, and how do you evaluate yourself or assess your church? I think that alone, I mean, makes this book so valuable because it, it really isn't just a book you read. It's got, you know, questions for further discussion, but those self-evaluation assessments for me, I thought were just like powerful ways um, that we kind of get coaching from you and Carl, (laughs) you know what I mean? Without having to sit down um, face to face, but you're actually coaching us through those things um, through every single chapter of this book. So I wanted to say, I absolutely love that. I wish, I wish more authors put those um, kind of throughout, sprinkle those throughout their chapters, because I think that's hugely helpful um, for, for pastors as we are reading, as we're studying, as we're trying to apply this um, to our ministry setting. So thank you for that. Um, but then how can people learn more about the book, um, about the ministry? What, what are some of the resources that you have available for them? How would you suggest that, that next step for them? The next step is actually not to follow me. Yes, you can follow me, Twitter, at Warren Bird, or, or, or Leadership Network. Uh, uh, the free uh, updates and trends and ideas that I do is leadnet.org. Uh, as in leadershipnetwork.org slash advance, because it's called Leadership Network Advance. But more important, to take the book, as many churches have done, and not just one person read it, but the board read it, or the elder board, the governing board, whatever your leadership team is, and to talk about, okay, let's go chapter by chapter, or let's just have one meeting where we've all read it, 
or we've all picked a chapter and read it and pool what we learned together and say, what is our next step toward not just breaking our next growth barrier, that as important as that is, but towards corporately living out a vision of a larger harvest. You know, what if we were all surrounded by people who desperately need Jesus and that God wants to hear the gospel and God wants to use us to make disciples of Jesus Christ? You know, what is our next step to do so? And have a discussion of the book, uh, uh, ongoing or one time. And I've, I've seen churches do this and it's, it's always sparked a goal ownership by a bigger group, which means there's uh, less of a sense of I'm pushing water uphill or I'm doing this alone or I'm, I, you know, I've taken on a new perspective and now I got to persuade everybody else. Let the book help you get greater buy-in across your congregation. That's excellent. I love that statement you made, um, you know, uh, embracing a vision of a larger harvest. And I think that's really what our pastors are praying for all across the country, all across the world, really. And uh, we're so appreciative of the work that you and Carl George have done, um, this, this new release of, um, of this uh, very foundational book, How to Break Growth Barriers. And it's available from Baker Books. And so we encourage our people, if you want to uh, dig into that, um, really uh, very, very helpful. As I said, very, very practical. Uh, I don't think as a pastor you can read through that book without um, having many, many aha moments as, as you kind of assess and analyze and, and prayerfully consider where your church is and where God is taking you. So thank you so much, Warren, for your time today, for being with us. Any any last words you'd like to share? I listen to your podcast. I learn and grow. And leaders are learners. Leaders are readers. So anyone hearing, you know, listen again, share this with someone else. Uh, get uh, Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing. Uh, the word disciple means learner. So we all have ways we can keep growing. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate your your heart for the church, your heart for God, and uh, for all that you've done over the years and uh, all that you're continuing to do in the years ahead for, for God and his church. I certainly appreciate your time with us, Warren. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.